0: Good morning everybody and welcome. Welcome to Kensington Unitarians, Essex Church. I'm Janine Powell and I'll be leading today's service with our Minister Sarah Tinker who is back from her travels in the States. I'd like to extend a special welcome to all who are here for the first time. And there will be an opportunity later on in the service to introduce yourself if you wish to. So let's start with some opening words on this cold and bright Sunday morning. As we gather here for this hour, may each find what they most need. May the troubled find peace. May the confused find clarity. May the downhearted find comfort. May the lonely find a sense of companionship. And may the strong find moments of challenge, learning and growth. I'm now going to ask Sarah to light our chalice our symbol of our worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist faith, as I say these words. Blessed is the fire that burns deep in the soul. It is the flame of the human spirit touched into being by the mystery of life. It is the fire of reason, the fire of compassion, the fire of community, the fire of justice, the fire of faith. It is the fire of love burning deep in the human heart, the divine glow in every life. So let's now take those issues of joys and concerns into a time of prayer and reflection. We ask the Divine Spirit to be with us as we acknowledge the variables of life, that in it we experience joy as well as suffering, happiness as well as pain. Help us to remember those events we have heard of far away or close to us, maybe things we've been party to, or we've heard about in the news, where people have acted out of fear, hatred or anger in ways that have harmed others. May we have someone, whether friends, family or a community such as this, to turn to in difficult times, as well as being someone who can help others through their pain Even if it's in just one small way. Help us also to remember the times and events which have led to some sort of healing, whether of our own wounds, brokenness of the systems we reside and work in, or of the ecology which makes up the world in which we live. Let our joys be shared, allowing them to be a reminder to all that there is good in the world. May the universal and divine spirit help and guide us in our search for truth and justice and our endeavours to be more loving human beings so that together we can make a better and fairer place for us all. Amen.
1: I guess that um, all of us have had the experience of living with other people at some time in our lives. Today's service is all about love. And I think that living closely with other people is one of the opportunities where we get to have our love tested. So this story I'm going to tell you is one you may have heard many times. And at one point it was being told so often in Unitarian circles that I vowed never to tell it again. But... But it seemed to fit this theme of love so very well. So here it is once again, the story of the monastery in the woods. And maybe we'll all find that it's got some message for us today as to how we relate to friends and neighbours, family members, people we live alongside with. Because when you think about it, everyone that we share this planet with is someone we live with, really. Really? And so, the story goes of a monastery set deep in the woods, which had once been a thriving religious order, but it had now fallen on hard times. And only seven older monks remained, along with their abbot, all in their later years, their once proud monastery now semi-derelict and overgrown. And their abbot knew that they couldn't go on like this. Unless a way forward could be found, they were going to have to close. So the abbot had a friend, an elderly rabbi who lived hermit-like in the woods, and the two of them would meet up from time to time to talk. And so it was one day that the abbot took his troubles about the state of his monastery to his friend. He told him of his woes, asked if he had any ideas on how to save the monastery. But the rabbi could only sympathise with his friend. He'd noticed similar problems in his own religion, with fewer people going to the synagogue. And so the two men spoke and prayed and cried together. But at the end of the afternoon, when it was time for him to leave, and the abbot asked his friend the rabbi once more, is there any advice you can give me on how to save the monastery? No, came the reply from the rabbi. I've no advice to give you, old friend. The only thing I can tell you is that the Messiah is one of you. And it was this that the abbot reported back to his monks. The Messiah is one of you. What did this cryptic message mean, they wondered. The Messiah, the long-awaited saviour, could it be that one of them was indeed the Messiah? Because to be honest, it seemed unlikely. They all had such human failings. Grumpy, forgetful, a bit lazy, fill in any failing you wish to put in at this moment, unable to wash up properly, um, that issue about the toilet seat being up and down, I don't know, whatever works for you. But, you know, as they continued to wonder about this, and as the days went by, and because they didn't know which one of them might be the Messiah, they started to change how they treated one another, just in case because you're not going to be nasty to the Messiah, are you, when all's said and done. They began to treat one another with extraordinary respect, and they began to treat themselves with extraordinary respect too, just in case it turned out, unlikely though it seemed, that they themselves were the Messiah. Now although the monastery was in the woods... Far away, it had actually always been known as a nice place to visit, perhaps to have a picnic on the lawn some sunny afternoon, or to go to their old chapel to meditate in. And now, when those few people came to visit, do you know, they sensed something different about the place. Because the monks were treating each other so well, a subtle yet compelling attraction started to emanate from that monastery, and people returned, and they brought their friends. And gradually, with more visitors, came younger ones attracted to the monastic life and new brothers joined the order. And as the years went by, that monastery became a vibrant spiritual centre once more and all because of the Rabbi's message through which those brothers learned to treat each other with extraordinary respect. And I think that extraordinary respect is another way of describing love a love that is unconditional, a love that has no strings attached.
2: We all know that love is a good thing, but let's not pretend that love is always easy because it's not. Real love shakes us up, challenges us, makes demands of us and generally doesn't look or feel how we think it should. So here's just a few words from Khalil Gibran from his famous work The Prophet. When someone asked the prophet to speak of love, this is what he said. When love beckons to you, follow him, though his ways are hard and steep. And when his wings enfold you, yield to him though the sword hidden among his pinions may wound you, and when he speaks to you, believe in him, though his voice may shatter your dreams as the north wind lays waste to the garden. For even as love crowns you, so shall he crucify you. Even as he is for your growth, so is he for your pruning. Even as he ascends to your height and caresses your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun, so shall he descend to your roots and shake them in the in their clinging to the earth. All these things love will do unto you, that you might know the secrets of your heart and in that knowledge become a fragment of life's heart.
0: We're now going to have quite a long-spoken meditation followed by some shared silence which will be ended by our Tibetan bowl. So I invite you to join me in a time of meditation in which I invite you to get comfortable, maybe closing your eyes or softening your gaze or putting down anything that you don't need right now. Whatever you need to do to relax. And as always, you're welcome to allow your mind to wander and to do its own thing. Imagine feeling more love from someone than you have ever known. You're being loved even more than a parent might have loved you when you were young, more than you have ever felt loved by your child, by a dearest friend, your most intimate lover, anyone. This lover doesn't need anything from you, isn't looking for personal gratification, and only wants your complete fulfillment. You are loved just for being who you are, just for existing. You don't have to do anything to earn it. No one can take this love away from you and it will always be there. Imagine that being in this love is like relaxing endlessly into a warm bath that surrounds and supports your every movement so that every thought and feeling is permeated by it. This love is actually part of you. It is always flowing through you. Unconditional love really exists in each of us. It is part of our deep inner being. It is not so much an active emotion as a state, a state of being. It's just sitting in love. If I go into that place in myself that is love, and you go into that place in yourself that is love, We are together in love. And that is the entrance to oneness. According to Google, what is love was the most asked question on their search engine in 2012. It seems that in modern times, just in centuries past, people are fascinated by the phenomenon of love. What it is, how it affects us, what its purpose is. Now I don't claim to be an expert on love. And if anyone here is, please let me know after the service what happens with the chemicals in the brain when it comes to love. But what I do know that what qualifies me to talk about it here today is that I felt it. I felt love. And I'm sure that most of you, if not all of you, have felt love at some point in your lives. I think that one of the reasons why love, sorry, I think that one of the reasons why many people find love so baffling and confusing is that it seems to have so many forms, such as maternal or paternal love, universal love. Can anybody think of any other forms of love? Erotic. Erotic love. Unrequited. Unrequited love. <laughs> Yeah, there are so, so many. And the ancient Greeks had many words for love, including philia, which was about deep friendship, eros, which was about sexual and physically passionate love, and agape, which was that selfless spiritual love. For us, in England, it's just one word, love. And it seems to cover it all. Today, though, with lots of people gearing up for Valentine's Day and the commercial emphasis being on romantic love, I really wanted us to explore other forms of love, not to exclude romantic love completely, but to open up the topic as love is shown in other ways than just in a two-person relationship, as we've already touched on. For those of you who don't know, I was brought up Catholic. I attended church every week with my family from the ages of 5 until 12. And I also attended something called Friday class. It was like Sunday school but held on a Friday evening. The messages which I heard about love in different ways was that God is love and is the source of love and that he loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to save us. I also heard stories about Jesus talking of the importance of the first two commandments. The first being, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. And the second commandment, Thou shalt love then thy neighbour as thyself. Although, of the second commandment, I took in more about loving my neighbour as I did of loving myself. And this I rectified as an adult when I attended personal development courses and through doing exercises like the meditation that we did earlier, I learnt that loving myself was a prerequisite to loving others more fully and that this was necessary if I was to truly love on a wider scale. The ideas and beliefs and principles of loving others and loving God, the creator and the divine, aren't unique to Catholic and Christian religions, as I started to discover on my adult search of other faiths. In the Baha'i faith, Jewish and Sikh religions this theme of loving the divine, the creator is seen as most important to being a member of that religion also in Hinduism and Buddhism there's an emphasis on showing the kind of love which is unselfish showing interest in others' welfare for its own sake without expectation of anything in return There seems to be a common idea of transformation created within these. That if we can truly love another, truly love the divine, and truly love our world, we will be transformed and through our acts transform the world. As illustrated earlier in our story of the monastery in the woods, This deep capacity to love others and God, or the divine, is a shared characteristic of prophets, wise men and women, and holy people. And as such, when emulated by people, outer change occurs. And I'll be asking you all in a few minutes to consider the ways in which you show love in the world. When I was little, I also remember my mum telling me that the more love you give, the more love you have inside yourself to give. I didn't really understand what she meant. But as I got older and I became a mother and then a grandmother, I understood more about the ebb and flow of love in my life. That the more I showed love, the easier it became for me to show love. And conversely, when hurt, the more I closed myself off to love, the less I showed love and the less able I felt to open myself up to love. And for me, this ability to be open, for love to be able to flow through me, whether it does or not, has become all-important in my relationship to what I consider to be divine. As when I'm in that state of openness is when I'm attuned to the sense of the sacred in all life and in all things. These are the times when I find myself saying good morning to the birds or smelling wild flowers and thanking them for their fragrance, even welcoming new leaves on the trees in spring, expressing my love for the interdependent existence of all things. All these things and more are ways that I express love in the world, aside from the person-to-person contact of hugging my granddaughter so tightly that I think that I'll squash her. Another way that I and many people in faith and non-faith communities express love in the world is with acts of service through charity work and volunteering or by touching people's lives with acts of kindness as well as engaging in practical ways with various social justice groups. So overall, I've learnt that the more one loves the more one can show love. And it starts with loving oneself. And loving oneself, it's not a selfish thing. For our spiritual growth, it's a necessity. For the more that one loves oneself, the more one can love one's neighbour. And the more one can love one's neighbour the more one can love one's community. And the more one can love one's community, the more one can love all of humanity and all of the world. So with all its forms and all its manifestations, I put it to you that this is the greatest aspiration of all, the goal of universal love. So that's a bit about me and how I express love in the world. And now I'm wondering about you. On your way in, you should have received with your hymn book and your order of, on your order of service three heart-shaped post-it notes and a felt-tip pen. And if anyone hasn't got them, please raise your hands and we'll get them to you. So, in the tea and coffee room, I've put up two painted love trees. One for how you show love in the world and one for how love shows itself to you. And in the next few minutes, you're invited, if you wish, to write on your post-it notes. The first, you'll write a practical way that you show love in the world. So this could be in a person-to-person way, or to a pet, through charity work, donating money or time or objects, any way that love is shown through you out into the world. On the second post-it note... You jot down the way that love shows itself to you. So that could be, again, through um, a person, or it could be on hearing a song or a particular piece of music. It could be seeing something in nature, or bumping into a stranger who tells you just the right thing that you needed to hear at that time. Whatever it is for you. After the service, I invite you to share with others by putting your post-it notes on the love trees. And um, they can remain anonymous. You don't have to put your names. I'll come to the third post-it note in a minute. Thank you for doing that if you chose to. And after the service, please stick them up on the love love trees. Now for the third post-it note. This one is for yourself and I invite you, whether today or in the coming week, to write a message of love on it, for yourself, from yourself, and to stick it somewhere where you'll see it often. This is my invitation of love to you. Thank you, and blessed be. So, as we prepare ourselves to go out once again into the world and face the oncoming week, let us bear in mind these words by John Morgan. In the end, it won't matter how much we have, but how generously we have given. It won't matter how much we know, but rather how well we live. And it won't matter how much we believe, but how deeply we love. So love well and blessed be.